I'm Gabriel Zimmerman, and this is my wife, Adelie. I grew up in Emmett, Idaho, and I always wanted to be in the Army. Seeing my dad, it was like, I really want to be a genuine Christian like my dad, and I want... And he was so adamant about if we learned anything from him, it was the Word of God. But I learned as I was going through high school that it was like, man, it's, it's really hard to, to stay in the faith. So I hung around people, you know, we ended up smoking a lot of weed and, and drinking. And, and I went to a missions trip to Nicaragua that, that our school was doing. And it was, I was 16. And it's really what really changed my heart for, for my direction to follow Jesus and, and to want to make a difference in, in every way I can. Yeah, and I grew up in a home where we were a blended family, so my parents both had a child coming into their marriage. Very loving family, loved the Lord, but growing up in church, you never, I don't know, people just assume that you know Jesus. And the reality was I was 12 years old and didn't care for God. I didn't understand Him. I thought life was like a video game where you get three strikes, you're out. I was racked with fear. I was about 12 years old when God spoke to me and he was like, Adelie, I'm not just this big God in the sky that cares little about everybody and it's just like for the mass. I care about you. I love you. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll be yours. If you love me and like you want to love me for me, I'll, I'll be yours. Once God showed me that he loved me, it changed my need. It changed my desire. You know, it was like, man, I'm known by God. I started getting involved in our youth group, but her heart really was for Jesus, and, and we started doing worship together. I ended up leaving for the Army, went to a couple different states for training. Then my first unit was in Germany, so we did long distance for almost three years. And then from there, we got married. Long distance to moving in together, you're married <laughs> in a house. God was teaching us to trust Him, and I was just praying for that in that moment again, like, I need to trust you, help me trust you. And so it was just the Lord knew what we needed. Worship is something we're both really passionate about. And we went through a few churches here trying to find, you know, where could we stick? And this was about the fourth church we landed on. And it's the one. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just like trying to be really present with the Lord and available where he's got us right now and trusting him for whatever comes. And I know it'll be good. That's that I know for sure. <laughs> I know it'll be good. Man, those guys are an answer to prayer for us in our church. I'm so glad to have them here. I really am. Uh, if you weren't here last week, Adelie's come on the team part-time, and we're hoping that, that just kind of continues to grow. And so, so thank you guys for sharing your story. How are you today? Are you good? I, I am hurting. My, my body hurts because I've been doing physical therapy, and I did it really hard like two days ago. I did all of my physical therapy exercises. So when I go back to the therapist and they say, hey, did you do all your exercises? This time I cannot lie. Aren't you a pastor? <laughs> and I'll walk in and say that. But man, I've been so sore. I've just been hurting. And one of the exercises, I told my wife, I said, they gave me air squats. Like I used to like, you know, push up two, 300 pounds. They said, no, just sit down in a chair and stand back up like 30 times. I'm like, give me a break. I'm like, oh, that hurts really bad. Like with no weight on my shoulders. And so I'm walking around feeling uh, kind of Kind of like I need some help with my physical body. I'm getting old. And then I woke up this morning. This is a true story. About two, no, I guess it was like almost four hours ago, I pulled open my email, and I got an email from the American Association of Retired Persons inviting me to join them. That was this morning on a Sunday morning. I'm pretty sure that's straight from hell to me on a Sunday morning. 
So I emailed back. I said, listen, I'm 46. I have jeans in my closet that I bought with holes already in them. I am too young to join your organization. And um, we'll see what happens, all right? Um, God is so good. Friday night was amazing here. Just a spirit of healing, a spirit of worship. Man, it was one of my favorite gatherings of the year. When you get those chances to join together and to come to the Lord, not because it's Sunday morning, but because you're with a group of people that want to experience God, that want to honor God, that are choosing to trust the Lord with their lives. Um, those are exciting moments to be a part of. God always speaks to me, gives me a word, as, and he did again, and I'm so grateful for that. There are many, many good things going on in our church. Uh, next week starts a six-part series called The Blessed Life. And um, we've been actually praying about doing this for probably about two or three years. We were going to do it last fall. We decided to wait till this fall. And, and it's going to be an all-church focus. If you're in a life group, you can get deeper in a life group on this subject. You can join a life group after this gathering. Uh, so both in groups and in weekend services, we're going to be saying, God, I want to live a generous life. I want my life to be filled, uh, abundant, uh, to everywhere I go to be pouring out on people around me with my words, with my actions, with my giving, with the way I serve, which is the way I love people. Um, Jesus said very clearly um, that, that he came that, that we might have life and have it to the full, the abundant life, the full life. And when you're in a part of a church community and everybody's looking how they can bless somebody else, that's a fun community to be a part of, isn't it? Um, generous people tend to be uh, actually more fulfilled in their lives. It's not the, the takers that are they're enjoying life, it's the givers. And really, everybody's a giver or a taker, and so you, sometimes we have to stop in the mirror and go, am I a giver or am I a taker? Because if you're a giver, you're enjoying life more than the takers are, I'll tell you that right now. And that's what we need to teach our kids. In fact, in marriage, if you're constantly saying, how can I give? How can I pour into that person? How can I be selfless to that other person? Um, there's power in that. And so we're going to do this series called The Blessed Life. I want to encourage you to be part of it. If you're not in a life group, there's so much support that comes from being part of a group. There is strength in numbers. And I love it that other people care for my family, and I care for theirs as well. So join a group. Be a part of that, all right? Also, uh, Freedom Session is starting. Freedom Session is one of our discipleship courses. We love it. Um, so many people, hundreds of people have said, that thing really propelled me out of the place that I was to a deeper place with God. And it helped me get unstuck in parts of my life and to really get deeper with God. And so we love it. We offer it every year. In fact, this year, on Mondays, uh, the, all the pastors and the directors of ministries in our church who work here at the church, we're going to go through Freedom Session on Mondays together as a team. Because uh, we want to get deeper. Listen, there's times in your life where you just go, I need to be stronger. I'm just going to do whatever it takes. You know, if I got to come together uh, for a while, it's on Monday nights, make it happen. Um, if you're not satisfied with where you are in God, there's something you can do about it. Uh, so stop by the table for information on that as well. I think it's great. Let me give you the central thought of today's message. And I want to get this out there because I don't want to mess it up. I get, sometimes I get too excited, all right? Here's the central thought today. When you understand how deep God's love for you is, because I think a lot of times you don't. When you understand how deep God's love for you is, you stop searching for love and acceptance and significance from things and from people because you found it already in your creator, in your savior. Secondly, now that you are no longer searching for uh, that love from someone or something to fill that void in your life, you realize that actually you are whole and that gives you this tremendous sense of peace that those who do not know the Lord do not have. And then thirdly, when you have God's peace in your life, it brings a contentment to your soul. 
Not needing all the things that the world has to offer or says that you need. Not even seeking out the love of others because you understand that you all are already loved by the one who matters most. Somebody said it like this, when, the, when you know the Lord, is, um, when the Lord is all you have, you come to realize that the Lord is all you need. Man, the Apostle Paul got that. Corey Tenboom got that. These people, they went through so much hardship. When they came to a place, they said, God, I have nothing, but I have you, and I realize that you're all I need. You are already loved by God. The scripture is Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bible with you. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew gives us the most exhaustive part of this. And the heading in my Bible says uh, Jesus is teaching about money and possessions. I think probably it would be even better to say Jesus is teaching about trust. By the way, did you know that trust is always learned? You don't trust someone you don't know. You trust someone because you're their character. So like you might be like, hey, I've got this cousin so-and-so I don't really know her. You don't trust her just because you're related to her. You trust her when you get to know her character. You don't trust your coach immediately. You don't trust your, your teacher immediately. You get to know their character. Do you know with God, the more you get to know his character, the more you'll trust him? Trust is always learned. And as you grow in God, your trust for him will get greater and greater. So here we go, Matthew chapter 6. Um, is it verse 18 or 19? It's verse 19. All right, this is what it says. Jesus is speaking up there on the mountainside, sitting down, teaching the people. And he said to this, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store uh, your treasures in heaven where moths, cannot, uh, uh, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. I'm going to skip down to verse 24. He says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father knows, uh, feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Let's, let's take a moment and pray. God, wherever we are, I pray today that our trust in you would be a daily exercise. That we choose to trust you for today and we choose to trust you for tomorrow. God, help us to fully Give you our lives and not look back, even in crazy times. In Jesus' name, amen. I have asked this question in my life many times. How, how can I trust God with my entire life, but then not turn around and trust him for my needs for tomorrow? You know, honestly, a lot of us, you know, maybe it was the way you were raised, or maybe it's the fears you have in life that you kind of, I don't know if I'm going to have enough to get me through in this life. How can I trust God with my soul for all, all eternity how can I trust God with my sin, but I can't trust him with food and clothes and shelter for tomorrow? And it's a reality that we deal with. I could tell you stories about David and how he was trusting that these barbarians were coming to kill him, and he had to trust God that he wouldn't die tonight in his sleep. And the Apostle Paul's going, what are you worried about like food for tomorrow when you live in America in the 21st century? Like there are people coming to beat me up because I keep preaching about Jesus. And we could compare ourselves to them and go, what are we worried about 
That God is going to somehow, we're not going to have enough for tomorrow. God's not going to provide. But the reality is that your mountains are just as real to you as David's and Paul's were to them. We have to come to understanding that God loves us deeply and he's going to be there for us. You know, the same God that was with you the last 20 years is going to be with you the next 20 years. You know, the same God that's carried you and been beside you this entire life, that has walked with you, he's going to walk with your kid. So some of those fears, we have to stop and go, wait a minute, time out. God is with me, and as long as God is with me, it's going to be okay. John said it like this uh, in his uh, first epistle, 1 John chapter 4. God showed you how much he loves us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. And he said, this is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. He chose us first. He loves you first. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And then John says to his readers, you and me, dear friends, since God loved us so much, we surely ought to love each other. Listen, when you comprehend how much God loves you, how much God's forgiven you, it changes you. It brings mercy out in you. You need a lot less, and you feel a lot more whole. So here's the title of the message really today, that you are already loved. Wouldn't it be great if every uh, young person running off to college understood that they are so deeply loved by God, they don't have to look for love in, in uh, relationships? Wouldn't that just be incredible that every, every 15, 16, 17-year-old girl understood, I am so loved by God that I don't need these, these guys around me. I'm filled with the love of God. He loves me. Listen, you're already loved. You don't have to win God's love by your performance. I don't care what, what maybe your parents said or did differently, or maybe your teacher said. You don't have to perform for God to love you. God loves you just the way you are. Amen? And it's even better than that. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. I'm like, God, love me right the way I am because I need that. But, I, but, but please don't leave me here. Help me to grow. Help me to change. I don't want to stay who I am today. I love that. God, God loves you just the way you are. He loves you as you are, not as you should be. You are loved by the living God, and he is more than enough for you. When I was in the seventh grade, I finished uh, the seventh grade year, and they handed out yearbooks, middle school yearbooks. And I took one home, and I stared at one particular girl's face all summer long. Her name was Nikki. And she was the one all summer, seventh to eighth grade. I mean, I, I thought about her. I was like, I wonder if she knows who I am. I think I talked to her a couple times in the seventh grade. And I'm not kidding you. This is really what happened. This is, this is a banner moment in the life of Peter Dagon. I got off the bus on the first day of eighth grade. I stepped out of the bus. And who's standing there but Nikki? And she says these words, hi, Peter. <laughs> it's going to be a good year. It really is. Nikki and I dated for five beautiful days. <laughs> uh, on the fifth day, Nikki came to my locker, grabbed my hand, and held my hand, and we walked about 100 feet down to math class. And when she grabbed my hand, I felt my face go bright red. Anybody ever do that? I was like, oh, I don't do this. And I could tell she saw that I was just terrified and embarrassed to be holding a girl's hand in middle school on the way to class. I don't think it was new to her. It was new to me. She got to class, dropped me off. The next day, we were broken up. My heart was broken. <laughs> Little 13-year-old Peter had his heart broken for that five-day relationship. How many know that those junior high and high school relationships, they hurt? 
Oh, man, some of you are like, yeah, I cried too, you know. <laughs> What's so fascinating is I get off that bus and I think, man, I'm already loved for five days, superficially. And it's so different with the love of God. He loves you in a way that another human can't possibly comprehend. He has this deep, unconditional decision that he's made to love you. And he sees you at your worst, and he still chooses to love you. He doesn't bring up records of wrongs. He just loves you. It's incredible, the love of God for us. I think that the more you become like Jesus, the more you're able to love people around you in your life. And maybe one of the greatest things we could do is say, God, I need to grow in you because there's so many good people in my life. I want to make sure that the love of God spills out of me onto them. Maybe that's something that we need to do is just, God, fill me with your love so that I can love people around me so I can have that heart. Uh, yesterday, it was, um, well, I think today's September 20th, right? Is, is today the last day of summer, technically? Is today the first day of fall? What is today, anyway? The 19th. So tomorrow's the last day of fall. I want you to know I'm a born leader. I know exactly where I'm going, all right? <laughs> Anyways, yesterday. Now, I'm, I'm this guy that, like, the last couple of days of summer, like, man, I just want to be out in the river. I want to be out in the sun because I love summer. And yesterday, you know, how the kind of the rain came in here in western Washington. If you're watching, watching around the world, like, it kind of got dark and cold, and people kind of got excited. And anyway, my wife and my son were at a soccer game. My daughter comes down the stairs, and it's kind of got that cold field. And we decided to turn on the fireplace. And so here in the last couple days of summer, she turns on the fireplace, turns up that heat, and no kidding, we listen to Christmas music for two hours. <laughs> two hours. This, I said, I think this is somehow illegal. We haven't even started fall yet. Like, we're jumping over something here. But you know those moments where you get to listen to Christmas music at the end of summer with your kid for two hours? You remember those when your kid grows up and goes away, don't you? You make those memories, you do those things, and, and we got to do that. I love my daughter, I love my son, I love my wife, and I want to have more Jesus in me so that I can love them better. Jesus says, store up treasures in heaven where it cannot be taken from you. It doesn't lose its value overnight. It cannot be stolen by a thief. Bernie Madoff can't take it, right? There's nothing that's going to somehow... Take that gift that you gave to God away. You can't lose it. When you give to the Lord, you store up treasures in heaven, not in this fallen world. Somebody said the only money you'll ever see again is that which you invest into God's kingdom, and it's probably true. In verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. You can't serve both God and money. And the reality is this, believers in Jesus aren't chasing material things. They're not trying so hard. Listen, we got to do the best that we can. But at the end of the day, we're going to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to be lazy. I'm going to do my part. But Lord, do your part in my life. I'm not going to live for material things. I'm not going to be desperate for that relationship. I'm going to trust God for today, and I'm going to trust God for tomorrow. Because listen, whatever the world can provide, whatever you can provide for yourself, the world is never enough. There's nothing in this world that's going to satisfy you. You're going to be like, now I've had enough. The Seahawks are 2-0. and oh, My life is complete. <laughs> the things of this world never satisfy. They're passing away. They're temporary. God's love is eternal. This is what the scripture says. Jesus said, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life because he knows how easily we do. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Next, next scripture. He goes on to say, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. 
are not you aren't, and aren't you uh, far more valuable than they are? Jesus looks at all these people on this hillside and he goes, listen, every day these birds get fed. Every day they get taken care of. And it's the same thing with God. I'm going to make sure that you're taken care of every day. You don't have to waste all this time worrying about all these, uh, uh, whether you're going to have enough to eat for tomorrow or whether you're going to have clothes to wear. Jesus says you are valuable, more valuable than the animals that he created. Paul in chapter uh, 4 of Philippians said it like this. And this same God who takes care of me, and boy did Paul trust God for every day, he takes care of me. He will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which you have been given uh, in Christ Jesus. And then Jesus asks a couple questions. He kind of, he comes up with this one. He says, um, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Let's add up all the time you spend worrying. What is, what value does that add to your life? The future is filled with all kinds of unknowns. We worry about money. We worry if people like us. We're worried. We worry if we're not good enough. Anyone? And Jesus, sitting on this mountainside, teaching the people, says, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? The fact is that worry doesn't add time or value in any way to your life. Worry robs the joy in your life. It takes away. It steals. It fills your mind with dread. It muffles your laughter. It robs your attention to the people around you because your mind is filled with worry. If the joy of the Lord is your strength, then worry is weakness. Three years ago, I coined this phrase. Many people live uh, the majority of their days infected with the worry virus. That's interesting today. The virus of worry in your life. We're more familiar with that term today. Worry is like having the flu while trying to run a marathon. It just robs you of strength. It robs you of energy. And Jesus asks the second question. He goes, and why would you worry about your clothing? Listen, I've seen some of your clothing. You should be worried. All right, I'll just be honest with you today. Now, of course, Jesus is talking in those days, and he says, listen, some of you, you have one set of clothes. You have one coat. It is wearing out. You've already got it from your older brother, your older sister, from your dad, from someone else, someone wealthier than you. In those days, man, clothes was not like I got abundance. Clothes was this is what I need to wear every day. This is my tunic for my everyday use. It's a big deal to run out of clothes or to not have the money to buy clothes in those times. Who are you by worrying uh, can add a single day or moment to your life? And he goes into Solomon in all of his glory didn't have the, the riches of the lilies of the field. The same God who provided for you in the past will provide for you today. The same God who has walked with you in the past will walk with you today. And this is where it gets a little exciting. This is where Jesus starts to give some answers, all right? Matthew 6, 31 says this. So don't worry about all these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But you're people of faith. You are people who trust God to provide. Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And here we go, verse 33. So seek the kingdom of God above all else. Don't seek the kingdom of you. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And he will give you everything you need. What a verse for us today. Let's live for God. Let's live for the kingdom of God. Let's seek him and his kingdom and let's see what he will do because it's better than what you can do for yourself. It really is. I love the name for the Lord Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Because he does, he provides in our lives. 
Verse 34 says this, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I got enough trouble today, I'll worry about your troubles tomorrow, right? Sometimes the worry of God's provision can overtake our lives. And I think it's a powerful statement to say, Lord, I've trusted you my entire life. I'm not going to stop trusting now. If your job is changing, your financial picture is changing, what a powerful statement for you to say, God, I've trusted you for my whole life. I don't know how I'm going to afford college. I don't know what's going to happen when we move. But I do know this. I'm going to continue to trust you to be Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides in my life. And I'm going to seek you first. Knowing, God, that you will take care of me and supply all of my needs. Listen, um, some people understand only conditional love. If you're good to me, I'll love you back. If you are kind to me, I'll, if you love me, I'll love you. But love at, at its core is a choice. Love is a decision. Imagine some of us who think that we've had to earn God's love or somehow impress God or get all, all the commandments right all the time, as if that was the relationship God wanted, some sort of transactional relationship, when what really God wants is for you, your heart to be transformed, to let him in, let him transform you, and then you choose with your free will to love him and invite him into your life. It's God's decision to love you. He's made that commitment. Imagine how foolish it is. Think of this. What if God said to you, well, you know, I let you into heaven, but your makeup and hair don't look good today, so you can't get in. That's not who God is. Well, I let you into heaven, but you put on some weight. I let you into heaven, but your bank account is, is, is kind of light. I let you into heaven, but you're just not popular enough. God's not that kind of conditional God. He's a decision Maker, When he loves you, he makes that choice, that decision. Imagine this, a husband and wife, they're making vows to one another. And one says this, I'll love you as long as there is no one uh, younger or better looking that comes along. You're in trouble, right? Uh, I'll love you. I promise to love you as long as we feel the way that we do today. I'll love you as long as your hair doesn't fall out. And on and on the list goes, right? Conditional love. But we choose to be like God. We choose to love, make decisions to love. Imagine a parent that says this, I'll love you as long as you obey me. I'll love you as long as you thrive in school. I'll love you as long as you don't mess up your life with a, a giant life-changing decision. No, we love our kids regardless. I love you, period. It's my decision. It's my choice. I'm going to love you. I'm going to choose to love you. We love our family, our marriage. We love be regardless because God loves us regardless. He makes a decision today. I choose to love you. It's my choice. It's my decision that I've made. And I'm so grateful that God loves like that. Listen, you and I, we can't atone for our sin, and you can't fix your sin on your own. You're not going to impress God with your goodness. God, look how, look, how many, look how holy I am. Look how many old ladies I walked across the streets. What a great person I am. No. The Jews had 613 commandments in the Old Testament. They actually listed 613 commandments, and they said this, all right, if I can just do all 613 of these things the rest of my life, I'll get to heaven. It's no wonder that legalism replaced a love for God in the church. This is why we say there's nothing you can do to make God love you any more or any less. You can displease the Lord. You can bless the Lord. 
but his love is not going to somehow be taken away from you. God loves you just the way you are, and he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He wants you to become more like Jesus. And I wonder today, do you realize that you are already loved by God? Do you realize that today, if you go out and do something really stupid, that God's going to love you anyways? Maybe you don't realize that. You are loved by God. You can trust that he will take care of you. You don't have to make everything happen on your own. Walk with the Lord. Seek him first, and you will succeed in this life. Why? Because he is leading you. Because he is with you. So today, are you filled with worry? The answer is walk with Jesus. Are you unsure about your future? Walk with Jesus. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads with me for just a few moments. So there's nothing I can do to let you down Doesn't take a trophy to make you proud I'll never be more loved than right now Going through a storm, but I won't go down I hear your voice an ocean so I wouldn't drown You've never been closer than you are right now You are Tyra You are enough You are Tyra You are enough and I will be content
ever and softer son is would you stand with me as we pray Lord you are Jehovah Jireh the God who provides who meets all of our needs Lord today we choose to trust you Lord you picked us you came for us you decided to love us and you've never stopped deciding to love us Lord, I pray that we would comprehend how much we are already loved by you and how little we need from this world. Lord, if someone today is in a place where they're feeling like, Lord, you're all I really have, Lord, let them realize today that you are more than enough. Lord, I'm not gonna pray that you would meet everyone's needs because I already know that you will. So Lord, today we take you at your word and today we decide to seek you first, to put you first in every part of our lives. We will seek your kingdom, your righteousness. And Lord, we will let the chips fall where they may until we get home. God, thank you for your presence, your spirit, your power here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, what a great time in God's presence. I hope you've been ministered to. I hope you minister to someone. If you're not in a group yet or you want to sign up for a discipleship course, stop by the table. Be a blessing to someone around you, all right? God bless you.